Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 574th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who delivers heart and hope to cancer survivors through tasty meals. We're talking with Jennifer Caraway about the Joy Bus Meal Program. Jennifer loves serving good food, starting out as a dishwasher at the age of 14 and working absolutely every position within the front and back of the house. She opened her first restaurant at the age of 26 and later several more, both in the U.S. and Mexico. Among her many awards, she is the 2018 recipient of the Organization for Nonprofit Executives Organizational Accomplishment and Innovation Award and a Food Network Chopped Champion. Congratulations. Jennifer has leveraged her deep knowledge of the food industry to establish the Joy Bus Diner, a breakfast and lunch hotspot that funds her established nonprofit, the Joy Bus Program, which delivers gourmet meals, friendly conversation, and education programs free of charge to homebound cancer patients. Welcome to the show today, Jennifer. Are you ready to rock? I'm ready. Let's do it. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me and sharing our story. It's been a journey for sure. Uh, we started back in 2011. Um, my friend Joy became ill with ovarian cancer. Mm. My way of showing her that I loved her and cared about her was through food. It's really all I could bring to the table, literally, because <laughs> she had everything she needed. So it was doing that for her that inspired me to look and see if there was maybe another service that was comparable that I could hook her up with when I couldn't come and hang out with her. Uh -huh. When I didn't see that there was something like that out there, other than like a paid service, like Meals on Wheels, which obviously has a purpose, but mm -hmm. I was not down with throwing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at her. <laughs> right. I wanted something beautiful from the farm, fresh, organic, colorful, and there wasn't anything. So we created it. I'm 
fortunate that she knew what we were going to do in her honor. By the time the ACC approved our our name and all the papers started to get filed, she passed away mm. a few weeks after that, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> I'm, I am thankful that she was aware. And her best friend, who took great care of her along with her husband, are still part of our mission today. So that's rad that they're backing us and want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Yeah. Wow. So that turned into the Joy Bus Diner, the Joy Bus program. Tell us the, the navigate for us through that process. Yeah, totally. Um, that actually happened by accident. I was making the meals out of my home. I would, I'm hooked up with farmer Frank Martin of Crooked Sky Farm, oh, yes. which thankfully he's such a rad man. Like still to this day, donates all of the produce, not only for our diner, but for all of the patient meals. And without wow. him, we wouldn't be where we were. Such a good, good man. I had literally, when I knew this is what I was going to do, I started stalking all the farmer's markets <laughs> and be like, hey, this is what I want to do. Can you hook us up? I'll come and pick up whatever you have left over. And surprisingly enough, like everybody denied me. It was so oh, interesting. sad, right? Because I'm like, look, you're going to throw it away anyway. Like, just let me use it. And this is what I want to do. And it was, it was really sad because I just wanted to help some people out and do good. And it was very disheartening that everyone wasn't on board. <laughs> but when I met Farmer Frank, everything changed. And for what, 10 years now, I've been going to the farm every single Wednesday and getting whatever produce I want and hooking the patients up. But it took a lot to get there. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I was preparing all the meals out of my home and delivering them myself. And then thankfully hooked up with NCL, which is a mother daughter volunteer group. And they would show up at my house every week and help me deliver the meals. And thankfully we were able to expand with that help because there's no way, I mean, I was driving from Mesa to Buckeye. There's wow. no way we would have ever been able to expand without their support. Mm -hmm. So with their support, we were able to grow and partnering with all the local hospitals and case managers starting referring their patients to us. We just kind of exploded. I mean, kind of exploded. It was like a three, four year period of mm -hmm. explosion. So about after four years, we outgrew my kitchen. So I had proposed to our board of directors, look, like we're going to incur the cost of a lease regardless. We need the commercial kitchen. So why not open to the public and have 100% of the proceeds fund our programs? They're not down at all because owning a restaurant sucks. It's oh, hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work, <laughs> but it's all I've really ever done. And I love it. And I love the, the drama and the excitement and the not knowing what's going to happen the next day. So it's really, it's really worked for our mission. Despite the fact that I said I was never, ever, ever, ever going to own a restaurant ever again. Yeah. Because it's a lifestyle. Oh, yeah. It's not a job that you could just clock in and go. So thankfully, they backed my decision and we got the Joy Bus Diner what, a little over five years ago. And it's it's been amazing. What I think the best thing that the diner's done for us is built a community. Yes. Which it's so rad. I don't know how to replicate that. I don't know how it happened. 
we just opened the doors and people wanted to be a part of it. It's been amazing. Like when we first opened the doors close to five years ago, we're making roughly 10 to 15 home visits each week. And these are home visits. Our volunteers grabbed my idea and made it so much cooler than I did. And they turned it into a companionship service that's coupled with rad food. My idea was just food, food, food. I love food. Uh-huh. <laughs> but they, they were like, well, listen, like these people are shut into their home. And, you know, now everybody's like, oh my goodness, like we're quarantined. We have to stay at home. Right. Well, unfortunately, like our patients, that's their life every day. You know, so the fact that they have someone who cares about them in their community and wants to hook them up and hang out with them every day is is pretty cool. So I'm very thankful that the volunteers just made my idea their idea and Uh just owned it and ran with it. (laughs) So when we opened the five years ago, we were making about 10 to 15 home visits each week. And we're upwards, I think, of 57 home visits each week now. So it's it's working. We're expanding. We just expanded our service to the west side. Uh-huh. So that's rad. So we have a whole community there with Copper Hills that's now supplying volunteers because that's a neighborhood we wouldn't have been able to reach from our location. So it's it's growing. It's a necessity. It's there's nothing like us out there that's bringing rad food and education and the education part with each meal. We're putting together a menu and we'll pull out one item on that menu, let's say watermelon, and explain why watermelon is in their meal because of the lycopene, because of vitamin A, because of vitamin C. Like we're trying to educate our clients every week because, like I said, we're not Meals on Wheels. We're not a sustainability program. We're a treat. We're a companionship service coupled with rad food. So we're trying to educate them on the healthy benefits of super rad real food so that hopefully they can learn from that and put good things in their body to make them stronger. I was going to say, there's got to be a, a healthy food component to this. And that's part of what the education is, I'll bet, right? Totally. And that's been, you know, a learning process for me as well, because I don't, I mean, nutrition isn't my background. I'm just a cook or a waitress or a bartender or a busboy or a dishwasher. Like I'm not, or a rock star. I'm not educated. <laughs> I'm not like educated in that realm at all. So it's been really cool reading and learning and surrounding myself with people way smarter than me, helping me get there. Now, if I could only eat as well as I feed people, (laughs) that'd be a win. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm sure you're snacking at the restaurant, right? Oh yeah. But the restaurant, it's a different menu than what we feed our patients. So the restaurant menu is, okay for example like biscuits and gravy but our biscuits are amazing our gravy does have turmeric in it everything is from scratch our biscuits are bread our gravy our dressings our salsas everything's from scratch the meals that we're serving our patients also obviously everything from scratch but we're not serving biscuits and gravy to them you know we'll do like you know like a mediterranean kebab with hummus and fresh veggies and fresh fruit it's all very appealing and colorful to the eye but also very good for you and give you energy not make right. you want to go take a nap like biscuits and gravy may well and i suspect there's a certain amount of organic that goes into it for their diet so if you have three people there that might be three different diets right totally And it's been pretty easy to tailor the meals. Like, you know, for a while we had a kid who was celiac. 
So we just basically eliminated all the gluten from all the meals. Nobody was calling us asking for their gluten, you know? So <laughs> we, we had that. for a while. Yeah, no one misses it. You know, we had a lady for a while who didn't like red bell peppers. So nobody got red bell peppers. Again, nobody's calling me complaining, where's the bell peppers? Probably didn't so even it's know, been, right? Yeah, exactly. It's been fairly simple to tailor it, you know, per one person's maybe dietary restrictions or needs or concerns. We're not able to go so far as to where we're pureeing the foods or specific dietary requirements, but we're, we do our best to try to make everyone happy. Mm-hmm. I, I bet that's not hard. You know, people are awesome and gracious and inspirational, and it's, it's amazing that this is what we get to do. And it's awesome the way, the, sorry, that the chefs in the Valley have taken ownership of our mission as well and stepped up. Like all summer, we've had a different chef every week step up and prepare our patient meals. And these are like badass, like real chefs, not like me, like real legit. This is their life's work. And the fact that they want to be bigger than themselves and hook up these people are so, oh my gosh, our patients are so grateful. Cause I mean, if you're used to eating the same person's food every week, how rad is it to get like hooked up by a James Beard awarded chef? Right. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Do you deliver a meal every day to somebody? We do not. We do all of our meal deliveries every Wednesday. And it's one meal, which is a huge meal, that is we deliver the patient meal. We also provide the caretaker a meal as well. If they request family meals, we do that as well. But the meals are delivered within an hour of when they're made. So they're hot, they're fresh. And like I mentioned, it's more of a sweet little treat. It's not, it's not sustainable at all. It's not keeping anyone alive. It's just trying to stoke them out and let them know that their community cares. One of the things that I like to ask is for that moment when you got down to your toes that this is what you were supposed to be doing, something happened with somebody and it was like it changed your life. Now, I know you shared about your friend that passed away. Has there been another one in the past five years since the restaurant opened? You know what? There's been a few. I would have to say on the patient side, we had this lady who we used to feed and she described it in a way that I wanted to. I just didn't know how. And she said that because we used to do our meals deliveries on Friday and she said it's like, Every Friday, a good friend comes over to my house and we go to a fancy dinner because she's like, cancer's taken away the ability physically and mentally to go out. And now I get this fancy food brought to my home by an amazing person that I want to hang out and chat with. I'm like, oh my gosh, like that rules. Like that's totally what I wanted to do without knowing that that's what we're doing. And so I was super grateful for her putting it in the words that I was obviously unable to. And on the volunteer and community side, oh my gosh, I can't even, it it just tears me up every time I think about it. You've gotten me a couple of times already today. So (laughs) it's, I'm so lucky, (laughs) but the community that we've built, like, The people that come through our door every day, they're not customers. This isn't a normal restaurant. Like, this is, like, my family. Like, they come in. Like, my son works at the restaurant. My daughter waitresses. And they've just, like, taken us under their wings where they're coming to my house for birthday parties. And it's it's so crazy that this community 
feels attached to the mission that we've built. And again, like, I don't know how it happened, but I'm so grateful that now all of these super awesome humans are part of my life. Yeah. Well, I can, I can surmise how it happened by listening to you talk for the past 15 minutes. You're pretty amazing. I feel very fortunate. Yeah. Then that's a bonus. That is for sure. So where did the name come from, Joy Bus? Well, obviously Joy. Her name is Joy. But when I was a kid, the Joy Bus used to come up, pick us up, like go through the neighborhoods and pick you up and take you to Sunday school. So I just thought it was a rad play on words because obviously Joy is super awesome. And then the Joy Bus would just pick you up and take you to goodness. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Like that's a very positive, inspirational way to look at what we're doing or what, what we wanted to do at that time. It was just an idea. Awesome. I want to know a little bit more about your volunteers, those people that are actually going out and visiting with the people and taking them the food. Can you tell me about some of them? Yeah, I can tell you that we wouldn't be here without them. <laughs> and, you know, it's pretty interesting. Like prior to starting the Joy Bus, I kind of, you know, I think like most people have this image of, you know, the human race that everybody's out for themselves. And it's hard to imagine that there's really good people out there that are trying to help humanity. And I'm in a position where that's all I see every day. Like every person that I encounter every single day is a super amazing human being that is so selfless. And these volunteers Oh my gosh. Like I mentioned, they, they've really took ownership of my mission, but they, they become part of our patient's family. Like one of my volunteers, Dan, he's so cool. He like the guy that he was feeding every week, they built a bond and they, when uh, Kevin got better, he started taking him golfing on Sundays. Like there's, holy cow, Dora, like when patients are hospitalized, we'll go to the hospital and visit them. Like Mike will call his patients on off days and just check them up or see if he can swing by and bring them to church with them. Like these people are just freaking angels on earth. Like I don't know how to describe the humanity that exists within our organization. Like these people like above and beyond does not describe where they're where they're going every single week, every single day. I'm so fortunate to be surrounded by such really good humans. You have so much joy in your voice. Tell me about that. It, honestly, and you're sharing a couple a couple three times already. I've teared up a little bit. Your what you're sharing is huge. It's momentous and it's it's delightful. Tell me about that joy. Wow. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever considered myself a really joyful human. I mean, I've got a lot to be thankful for. And I think it is obviously very recent. Well, since this started, I guess it's hard not to be joyful and thankful when you're surrounded by such goodness. It's, I mean, you'd have to be Scrooge to not be able to soak that <laughs> <Right>? in. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very lucky. Wow. Well, and it comes across in how you share. Absolutely. Aww. So we're in the middle of this bizarre year called 2020 with a pandemic <laughs> of all things. Who would have ever guessed that in our lifetime, right? How are you yeah. faring? How's the, how are things working out? It's hard. It's, it's depressing. I, I had previously mentioned 
our patients, this has been their everyday life since diagnosed. So it's just kind of difficult to feel sorry for myself or sorry for the business that we've had to close the doors. But uh, with that in mind, yeah, it's hard for our employees. It's hard for me. It's hard for our community because a lot of our people that come in every day, that's their socialization. That's their safe place. And it, it breaks my heart that I can't provide that for them. It's really heartbreaking. I mean, I have these dudes that come in, well, came in every Wednesday and I open on Wednesdays and they used to get there before me. And I would listen to my punk rock super loud as I'm setting everything up. And they're like, oh my gosh, like covering their ears. I'm like, dude, you guys are on my time now. Okay. (laughs) At seven, I'll turn it to whatever music you want. But right now it's my time. So they started beating me there and turning on the music and making coffee to where when I would come in at like six in the morning, they would all, they had all the tables and chairs set up and would just be sitting there drinking coffee when I walked in. I'm like, wow, touche. So it's your time. So they won. But it's it's unfortunate that that can't happen right now. But I have to think of the positive that we have been able to expand the service to more in need. We are still able to do the service, which is huge. Oh, big and time. I'm thankful. Yeah, it's that would suck bad. So I'm, I'm very thankful for the um, the advice that we've gotten from a local hospital as far as how we've had to adjust the meal delivery program. Like we can no longer visit with the patients, which is very unfortunate, but yeah. understandable, but hard. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to a new normal where we can be humans and touch each other oh I'm not much of a toucher but the other people love it so right you know so where that can happen and the companionship aspect of what we do is very very important how can our listeners everybody that's listening around the world help what the, what can they do for you I mean obviously with a nonprofit, funding is always a big deal they can donate through our web page that's probably the biggest need right now because the diner with it being closed, that that's the majority of our funding. So yes, we have the kitchen that we can cook out, out of, thankfully, but there's no money coming in the door right now. And even when there is money coming in the door, it's, it's not enough. We're running a 40 seat operation, you know, with two businesses basically running out of it. You're have a fully operational restaurant and a nonprofit where you're giving everything away. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. Thankfully, with the donations of the produce from Farmer Frank, Happy Eggs out of Alabama just hooks us up with eggs. Um, Wildflower Bread, Hayden Flower Mills. Like there's Hayden Mills, there's a lot of local people that hook us up with product to be able to pull it off. Uh, but I would say the person listening out there, I mean, it costs us $10 to produce one meal. So that's a good number, I think, to keep in mind if you were interested in donating towards one of our patient meals. And where do we go to do that? Um, it is the joybus.charity. Perfect. So I would uh, challenge all of you out there listening, and there are thousands of you every month. What's the address? It is www.thejoybus.charity. Go to that website and make a donation. <laughs> and I hear you're working on a cookbook. Holy cow, been working on one for about four years now. 
the cool thing is got a lot of really good chefs in Arizona that are involved. The difficult thing is you have a lot of really cool chefs involved from Arizona. So it's, it's taken a while to put together, but, and, and I feel bad because now that it's coming out, um, like I said, it's been a process. There's been so many other super rad chefs that have jumped on board to help us. And I'm like bummed that I can't acknowledge any of them because it's been in the works for so long. Mm -hmm. But we have about 12, I think 12 to 13 local chefs. Um, and they submitted recipes that they have done for our patients in the past. Uh, and like I said, they're, it's amazing. Like we have mm. Tracy Dempsey and Charlene Badman and Gio Oso and Bernie Kantek. Like we have really good, awesome chefs that have contributed to the mission and now contributed to the cookbook. Uh, we just sent it to a publisher, I think a week or two ago. So we're hoping shortly it's ready to go. And it's called More Than the Meal, excuse me, More Than a Meal, uh, the Joy Bus Community of Chefs. Nice. So by the time you're listening to this, you can go to their website and order a copy. Good Lord, I hope so. <laughs> it's been such a process. <laughs> oh, I hear you on the getting it published. I'm going to shift on you, and I would like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you learned from it. Okay, I've got about a dozen of those. <laughs> um, I would say, no, literally, there's so many. I have way more failures than successes, but it, it does put you in a position where you appreciate the success. Yes. I mean, one of my restaurants failed miserably. And I'm, I'm thankful for that failure for so many reasons, but mostly because I know I don't ever want to do fine dining ever again, mm -hmm. but it kept me away from the restaurant industry long enough to get my ducks in a row because I stayed out. Well, I, I switched to importer side where, uh, imported like prosciuttos and cheeses from Europe and then distribute them to like AJ's or local restaurants. And it kept me in the business still, but on the outside. So I was able to learn from what other chefs were doing, from what other restaurants were doing to kind of just get to where I needed to be. Like it's everything I've done my entire life has set me up for today. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you don't know that at the time. Right. <laughs> You're just like, shit, this sucks. Like, why is life so hard? <laughs> But I'm very grateful for where I'm sitting today to have every one of those experiences. Yeah. Wow. Well, and the, this is the reason I asked this question is because in the, in 2004 and 2005, I started a local nursery business here, ended up losing about $80,000 on it. Oof. And it was one of my best learning experiences. And in retrospect, it's like, oh no, that's not, no, never would have wanted to do that full time forever. So, mm -hmm. um, that's how we learn and how we get better, I think, is by fumbling the ball. Yep, totally. And it was a cool, like, experience for my kids because it broke me. I mean, mm. broke me mentally, financially. I was so broken. And for my kids, they were young. For them to be able to appreciate not having anything and holes in their shoes and not wanting anything, well, they might have wanted it, but not voiced that want mm -hmm. just to be gracious, thankful little humans. Like there's so many good things that come out of each failure. Yeah. In my opinion. Amen to that. At the time you don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. 
What do you consider your biggest success? I would have to say my kids. Like they're good people. And it is because of the journey that we've been on, but they help me. You know, like the obvious answer would be, oh, the joy bus, because I, with the help of a lot of people, have created an amazing, an amazing organization that I get to wake up every day and be a part of. Mm-hmm. But my kids, they're such good, smart, intelligent humans that have been with me since day one. Obviously, they have a choice, but, you know, volunteering at the health booths that we put up delivering meals, decorating bags, helping to prepare the meals. Like it was our little army that Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't have been able to pull off without them. How blessed you are. I so am. (laughs) And I have a super rad hot husband now. So it's like everything just falls in place. It just took a long time. What drives you? You know, probably to be a good example to them. I would have to say that was a big motivator in pushing so hard and wanting to be bigger than myself, wanting to do something that contributed to society, like to society. There's so many people that just suck it dry. Like it's cool to try at least to be someone that contributes in a big way. I have a lot of help. <laughs> <laughs> you know, collaboration is how we get this stuff done. We can't do it alone. I took on so true 20, almost 30 years ago, I took on being the person on the planet responsible for transforming our global food system. I can't do that. Wow. And it's not a, wow. It's not a heavy thing for me to carry. It's what gets me up in the morning, you know, in the sub. It sounds pretty heavy. (laughs) Well, yeah, but it's, it's, I guess it's all in how we carry it. Right. Because what you're doing with, with the joy bus is huge. You make a difference for people every single day. For the volunteers, the people that come into your restaurant, I've been in there, it's delightful. For your for the patients, for the people that work with you, you make a huge difference with them every single day. And Aww. yeah, that's you know, that's really the bonus round, I think. Thank you. Yeah. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? You know, recently the executive director Oh my gosh, it's the ID Project downtown next to um, the Andre House. Mm -hmm. Super nice guy. He gave me this book called The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist. And he recommended, he said, every nonprofit director should read this book. His name's Rick, really good guy. And I'm really glad that he, he gave it to me because... It is. It like, well, as I say, it transforms your relationship with money and Uh life. And as a nonprofit, you obviously I'm not financially motivated or I would have done something way different (laughs) Different, than what I'm doing. (laughs) You know, so the idea of money to me is just dirty and a hassle. Like I've never I've never ran after money and I've honestly kind of like looked down at it. So this book has been helpful in kind of rewiring my brain. I I need to read it again so that I Mm -hmm. really try harder to rewire my brain as to like the necessity of money, especially in our business. We we can't, we can't help people without it. So my, my kind of like angst towards it, I I have to work on that more. So it it was helpful and thoughtful of him to throw it my way. The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist. Yes. Are you familiar with the term called permaculture? I've heard it, but not that familiar. Yeah. 
Permaculture, I like to call the art and science of working with nature. What we do is we look at nature and natural systems and work in the flow of those systems. One of the big pieces that I discovered in permaculture is profit. So I've been self-employed since I was 15 years old. That's over 40 years ago. And so I've always had to make somewhat of a profit in order to make the house payment. And I held money in a particular way. Like it wasn't, it's never been my first thing to do. And Mm -hmm. I held it. It's like, well, you know, there's kind of this negativity toward it, uh, making a, toward making a profit. And when I look, when I look at permaculture and systems in permaculture and how nature works, there is like my apple tree. I donated some apples to your restaurant this past season And there was this amazing abundance of apples that came off of the apple trees in my yard, like hundreds of pounds of them. And so when I look at profit, that's one of the places that I look. Those apples are the profit of the system. Yep. And that was a big way that I shifted my my thought process around money. It's hard. I I, Mm -hmm. it is really hard. It's I mean, there's I think there's those two sets, like the ones who this draw are driven towards making money mm-hmm. and those who kind of hold different values yeah i don't know well, i, I don't know i difference. mean obviously you need it yeah my my mm. for me it's always been how big of a difference can i make yep yeah and it sounds like it is for yeah. you too 100 percent. and what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners jump <laughs> like jump if you in? don't jump yeah like like I said, I've failed more times than I've had success and it's just jumping and figuring it out and failing. And having you know, fun along the way. Yeah. Maybe not at the time, but <laughs> <laughs> no, you just got it. Life is about experiences. Who knows if we get to come back, like live and experience and touch and eat and smell and feel like we're, we're super fortunate that we have those opportunities and the ability to do it. Just go run and jump and do it. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Jennifer. Thank you. And thanks for the apples. Not only did you hook the patients up with fresh apples, but Lauren made apple butter. So the next week they all got apple butter on top of fresh apples. Nice. So thank you very oh, much. Absolutely. And just sharing the abundance. <laughs> appreciate let's, it let's let's just visit back again so your website is it is www.thejoybus.charity and if somebody wanted to make a donation they can go there correct and there's a few different tabs i believe there is there is a donate tab as well and they can go to the volunteer tab as well and um, there's always volunteer opportunities yeah so if you live here locally and want to volunteer you can do that if you're not yep. local in Phoenix and want to support them, please make a donation on your site. Excellent. And uh, as I said, by the time this podcast comes out, you'll be able to get a copy of her recipe book as well. Once again, thank you for joining us, Jennifer. Thank you. I really appreciate the time and sharing our story. Oh my gosh. It was delightful. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash joy bus. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams.
Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.